Welcome to the Soul Space Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, hey everybody. This is uh, this is another. I don't know what to call this, like a snap podcast or something. Uh, since this pandemic broke out, I've been doing a podcast a week, just getting different people in the web developer community that Soul Space is a part of on the podcast to kind of talk about what's going on, uh, how the economy is going to affect us, and how we're going to get through the pandemic, how our families are doing, how our, how our jobs are, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I'm really pleased to, to have right now uh, Brandon Kelly on the podcast for 30 minutes or so. Um, Brandon, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Um, we were on Twitter together yesterday, and I was posting something about how uh, we were noticing that our plug-in sales in your store kind of are, are tracking against the stock market really closely right now. So when the stock market went off a cliff, our sales went off a cliff. And then when it rallied for a couple of days, we saw a rally. And then when it petered out again today, we kind of saw the same thing. And you responded that you're seeing some patterns um, kind of similar to that. Some other people on Twitter responded as well. So um, I thought that was, I, don't know, I thought that was pretty interesting. And it made me want to get you on the on the podcast to kind of talk about how you guys are doing over at Pixel and Tonic. You know, you're the founder of Pixel and Tonic, the originating company of Craft CMS, and um, I just wanted to hear what's going on from your point of view in the community. Yeah, I mean, we we certainly saw a similar um, sales trend as you guys seem to have, uh, which honestly was a little bit bizarre to us because, you know, like with Craft and and obviously all the plugins uh, in the plugin store, including yours. The payment comes at the end of the project, right? Like, it's not at the beginning, typically. Um, you know, we kind of offer free trials for craft and plugins um, up until you're ready to start using the stuff in production. Um, so it, it seemed odd to me that, like, there was such an immediate reaction to the stock market in, in our sales and plugin sales, um, you know, considering these these projects that you know weren't getting paid for you know the budget had already been there you know we were expecting yeah. more of a lag um and maybe the lag will come you know that seems to be what andrew welsh suspects will happen uh we'll just have to see you know obviously um a lot of uh companies tend to cut their marketing budgets uh when they're when they're facing uncertain times and that's obviously a very popular use case for content management systems is marketing websites and marketing materials. So, you know, we, we do certainly expect that there's going to be a, a second and, and larger wave that'll hit us a month or two out. Um, but in the meantime, sales have been uh, pretty strong. Actually, February, I'm sorry, March was um, was one of our stronger months, and it was, in fact, the strongest month ever for the plugin store, uh, which was really exciting to see, uh, even despite kind of the mid-month uh, slowdown that we, we that we saw. So, you know, yeah, we've just got our seatbelts buckled and, and kind of bracing for, for whatever may come, but, but at the same time, we're doing everything we can to keep moving forward and, and you know, continue supporting everyone. And, you know, the good news is, the good news is that support from that perspective things have definitely not died down you know the discord channel is as active as ever uh github issues are as active as ever and our private support is as active as ever we've um i mean you you and i've been at this for a number of years 
and uh, so have quite a few of the people in this community, like the, the maturity level of most of the people in the community that we work with, the colleagues that we have, is pretty high up there. And that we've, we've weathered a number of these types of storms um, in the past. Um, every single one of them is unique and a little bit different. This yeah. one is different in the sense that I think um, the kinds of problems that businesses are trying to cope with right now are, how do I continue to sell? And I guess now I have to be online in order to sell, whether that's uh, sell my services by way of a, you know, a, a video call or whether I, you know, get furniture out of my furniture store using my website. These businesses are much more dependent on us um, than in previous economic downturns. Um, I don't know if that maps to what you're seeing, um, but a number of our clients, unless they were hit directly by the shelter-in-place orders and by the decline of, uh, you know, in-person traffic and the different kinds of businesses and events and so forth. We have a couple of those. Unless they were hit really hard by that, they currently don't seem to be changing any of their um, efforts or priorities or spend in the digital space with, with my team, which is a relief. Um, they continue to see value. Um, are you seeing any of that with some of the other developers who use your products? You know, I'm sure we are. Um, we're, we're always a little removed from from what what the you know client sales side of things looks like on the agency front. Um, but certainly, there's been there's been an uptick in interest in moving things to digital. Um, you know, the the one aspect that I can speak to is that we deal with um, clients directly in the enterprise space, and and that certainly has has had a bit of an uptick in the last few weeks as well, um, as people are taking taking their online presences a little bit more seriously and want to make sure that you know they're using the best CMS they can get and and uh, getting the best support they can get for it. Um, yeah, and I guess I guess the the most that we've seen from you know from hearsay is just. Uh, related to people that are scrambling to help their local businesses, um, you know, get get online uh, store, uh, you know, take out orders going or um, get their inventory online um, or just get communication out there. You know, um, yeah. just just it seems like every every business in the world kind of has a prerogative right now to to establish that that they are taking this. Um, pandemic seriously and that they're also um, finding creative ways to make their services available to the broader community uh, in a safe in a safe and controlled way um, and that that's mostly a communication problem more than anything else and yeah. so that that has certainly uh, resulted in quite a bit of work um, as as web developers are kind of trying to help their their businesses stay alive we had um, a, a prospective client come our way, I don't know, two or three months ago. And it was um, it was a craft commerce website. They're on craft three commerce two, I think they need to upgrade. But um, <laughs> they're and, and they, they're a delivery service for restaurants. And the, this is an Arabic website. So I actually don't I don't remember where exactly they are. But they just kind of yeah, wonder what it might be like if you guys helped us with some performance problems didn't hear from them for weeks. They didn't reply to emails. And then another, you know, kind of, I wonder if you could help. And then the pandemic breaks out and the owner of the website's ready to sign a contract right away to help us get in there and 
fix some of the performance problems that they were having during different traffic loads and stuff like that. So that's a good that's a good signal of what the market needs right now. It, it needs help optimizing these sites to make sure that they can handle the extra load that they're under. And it, it needs optimization at the marketing communications level to make sure that the, um, the, the, the client prospects and the customer prospects are being reached with the right messaging. And the website has a big job in that uh, to, to perform. Yeah, we've, so all, we've, all gotta, we've all got to do what we can to keep the pipes clear for Netflix. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right um so you know one of the things we're doing on my team is everybody on my team is kind of reaching out to the uh, local businesses that they all are, are so accustomed to relying on i mean a lot of these businesses are kind of like the wallpaper we're just so accustomed to them being there pizza mm-hmm. place down the corner you know gift shop uh in the other side of town or whatever and these businesses are all of a sudden under a lot of strain and pressure. They just, they don't have any sales. And a lot of them are like me. They procrastinate. They don't do the important stuff. They deal with urgent. They don't do important. And important was get your business online. That should have happened years ago. <laughs> and a lot of these people just kind of never got around to it. And, yeah. and I don't blame them. I can relate. Um, but they're needing to get up and running fast. So, you know, if, if they're looking at craft, craft as a choice, I know the argument that I can make for craft for the larger clients, enterprise-level clients that we try to serve. Um, but for the local furniture store, the local gift store, uh, I mean, how quickly do you think they can get up and running with, um, you know, a, a simple craft install? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a tough one because craft has never been like a, like a one-click install. You know, it's never been trying to be that, that sort of simple to get up and running solution. You know, it's it's always been more for kind of a you know SMB to to enterprise space where people have real budgets and and uh, you know I mean it, we're doing what we can to kind of soften the blow like we know that we know that there's um, for example we know there's a lot of small businesses out there that already have a craft site and um, and they need perhaps you know to introduce like you know commerce. Uh, install commerce in order to start selling uh, gift cards or whatever. Um, and so we're trying to do what we can to kind of help there um, in terms of giving free licenses away. We're giving free Craft Pro licenses and also, uh, in this case, Craft Commerce Lite licenses away for free um, if it's, if it's you know, in service of some sort of COVID-19 related relief um, or resources. And... Uh, you know, that's, I feel like that's, that's a big part of where, where craft might add value is just, is just, you know, helping people that already have that craft site. If you don't like, you know, for example, my wife's uh, recently took a job as an associative manager at a local um, kids boutique and they closed down. Um, but, but thankfully, like a couple months ago, they started ramping up an effort to get all their inventory online um, and they're using they're using some e-commerce solution um, that's you know built specifically for their case for like boutiques that have inventory that want to start selling it online but don't want to get into you know large scale order fulfillment or anything like that it's you know, almost like an Etsy but for boutiques type of deal yeah um, and there's just no way that Craft could compete with that sort of thing you know where they don't you know, it's just a, it's just some random boutique. It's, you know, again, it's like, it's like the examples you mentioned. Most people really associate them 
or they, their brand is really strong in the physical aspect of the store. Uh, and that's, that's always been how people think of it is the physical store. Um, you know, and people may assume, yeah, they probably have a website, but like, you know, the, the idea of going to the website to actually buy things is more of an afterthought or just not, just not how you think of these places. Um, and, and it's never going to be, even after this, you know, blows over, like that's, it's not going to replace Amazon for the local, you know, moms and dads buying store, you know, clothes and, and toys for their kids. Like they're just, they're going to continue going to the store or they're going to buy on Amazon. But, you know, as a stopgap measure, like if you want to support your local business, you know, I, I hope that this, this online store that they've kind of put together and doing their own delivering and stuff like that, I hope that's working out. Um, but given that it's kind of a temporary thing or given that it's, it's never going to be that primary thing. Like I just, I don't see stores like that having the budget for a full blown craft project. And at this point, frankly, uh, even if they had the budget, they wouldn't have the time, you know, no one's, no one's gonna, no one's gonna be sitting around, you know, debating font sizes and, and, you know, all the, all the stylistic, you know, and uh, and tech stack related decisions that typically go into a craft project right now. There's just not enough yeah. time for it. Not uh, time. Yeah. So I yeah I mean it's an interesting question, but I I feel like you know, it's 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 awkward as the CEO of the company, but I'd say you know for a lot of these things, craft's probably not the first thing you should be looking at unless you're already building things with craft. You've already got templates built out and like as a web developer, you're just ready to like, you know, hammer these things out as quickly as possible and as, as cheaply as possible um, for these businesses that are just don't have the budget, don't have the, you know, they're, they're already hungry, you know, they're already having a hard time. Yeah. Well, when I, you know, the people listening to this are probably craft developers for the most part just people in, in our Twitter feed and so forth. Not that many people tune into this thing, but for those listening, I, th- I think they're, they feel the way I do about what you just said. I'm just glad that the, uh, the leader of the company that puts out the platform that we specialize in knows the audience, knows the customer. <laughs> um, that's good. You're reminding me of a story that happened in, in Santa Cruz here. So, you know, the first week of the California uh, shelter in place order, um, uh, I guess, I guess my wife saw it on her Facebook feed, but uh, Bookshop Santa Cruz is kind of a local bookshop, and they're scrappy as hell. You know, they they their building got demolished in the Loma Prieta earthquake, you know, back in '89 or so, and they set up in tents. So they operated out of a couple of tents in the downtown Santa Cruz area for two years, I think. Um, hmm. And they they just had that attitude of we're just going to get through this. We're just going to find some way through. So something came up in my wife's Facebook feed and they were um, offering free shipping, like free drop off to your door, knowing that people couldn't come in the store. So we go onto the website to look around, see what they had. Turns out it wasn't just their store inventory. They had connected their um, different, um, the, the different providers of their inventory into their main website system. They'd done some sort of intelligent API integration to pull that stuff in, hmm. tied it into an e-commerce system. That kind of thing is um, that kind of thing is what I would want to use Craft for. You want to tie into a bunch of systems, pull it into a commerce offering, have full control over that. Um, you don't do it fast. I mean, you don't spin it up in a couple of days. Yeah. But on the other hand, some of these businesses are feeling the fire lit underneath them, and they're like, yeah, you know what? We need to get this done. We should do it right the first time, though. So let's let's invest. Anyway, that makes me think of a use case where it's a local business. 
they're not going to give up and quit, but they yeah. need a robust tool to really handle the demand. Yeah, I think, you know, this is all going to blow over, whether it takes a couple months or a little bit longer than that. Like it's it's going to blow over. And I think what I'm interested in is like what comes next? You know, there's cl- like clearly this has established that the Internet is not a fad at this point. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and, you know, if this ends up being an annual thing or, or it ends up being just kind of an everyday part of our lives, like, you know, uh, I think, I don't know if you read the article in the Atlantic kind of talking about what, what comes next, what the end game is for this thing. But, but the predictions are this is, you know, going to continue to be a part of our lives forever. And, you know, it's not going to be statewide lockdowns anymore or countrywide lockdowns anymore, but it might be micro lockdowns. It might be that, you know, this district needs to lock down because, you know, someone in the school got it or, you know, and yeah. And I think if that's the case, like it's, you know, it's certainly going to be a real strong signal to every business that wants to stay in business, you know, that they, you know, especially community businesses, that they're going to need to get more serious about the Internet about their online presences. You know, I mean, I, I feel like it was it was months ago that, uh, you know, we finally could reliably start seeing restaurant menus online, you know, not expecting like a flash player. Um, you know, it's clearly like if, if you're not an online first business, it's just never been the first thing you worry about. It's always an afterthought. And I think this probably is that wake up call uh, that every business in the world needs to be taking online more seriously. Yeah, I mean you're right, and I'm surprised that you're right after all these years of uh, of the internet being a strong e-commerce engine and an engine for for trade and so forth. But yeah, it's totally true. We walk around my little town, walking the dogs and the girls the other day, just trying to you know break up the stir crazy. And I went kind of door to door looking at the signs that the businesses I you know, had posted. You know, we got a coffee shop, you got a gift shop, you got a barber. They've all posted signs about something to the effect of we will have a website soon <laughs> and i thought well, you're gonna be kidding me especially the coffee place you know they got commuters coming in and out of this town going over the hill to work in silicon valley why why can't i place my order and pick it up on the way like um, you know the big chains do there's no nothing stopping you from being able to do that they just never got around to it yeah. now they have to have that functionality that capability um, so yeah, you're right. It, you, you know, we do so much work in this industry. We think yeah, it's all been done. Everybody's online already. Not a chance. Not even close. Yeah, this is this is that real audit, that deep deep dive. Like <laughs> every single business, you know, all of a sudden it's is being scrutinized here or doing their own scrutiny. Yeah, yeah, they're being their their feet are held to the fire. Yeah. Um, so you you guys are still in the middle of development on Craft Cloud. That's and right. The timing of this, you know, had had the timing been a little bit different, that um, that tool where arguably it sounds like you could spin up a craft site pretty fast compared to right now, which is still pretty quick. And that's, that's not really a big problem, but Craft Cloud would be an interesting resource right now. You know, are you at liberty to talk a little bit about what that's going to look like? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things. I wish <laughs> I wish we could could have it done right now and out there and promoting it. But um, Craft Cloud for anyone that's not not aware, it's bas- like it's basically a platform. And and the ba- the big feature of it is that we're introducing um, what we're calling um, a serverless version of Craft. Um, 
which is where if you just basically go in, you create an account, and then you can create multiple serverless projects. And a serverless project just spins up its own little craft install um, online only. There's no DevOps. You never actually download craft or install it locally. You just click a few buttons on a website, and boom, you're managing content within a craft install. And uh, there's also no templates, so it's it's kind of a headless-only version of craft. Um, and the idea there is that you know it's it's built for kind of this new wave of um, web developers who are you know more interested in the Jamstack than a Lamp stack, and you know they they view content as more of a service than something that you have to deal with you know, physically yourself. Um, and they'd rather just be able to enter content or have the authors enter content and then have an API and pull the content in from the API and build build it out into whatever, you know, single page app or statically generated site they're doing um, and have that just be kind of this, this solved problem that they don't have to solve themselves. Um, where that could really help in this sort of situation, if it magically existed, is that coinciding with the launch, we also want to get um, a few different starter templates built, um, and then work one, work on like kind of one click install of um, you know both all the content modeling that you would need for various types of websites, as well as automatic front end deployment over to Netlify or Zite. Um, in a way where, you know, if you don't want to go in and tweak anything yourself, you'd theoretically be able to get something going, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be perfectly branded for you or anything like that, but it would at least get you up, up and running without having had to, you know, write a single line of code. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, if you want to go and make changes, you would basically just get that front end code into its own Git repo and start managing that Git repo yourself. Um, but as far as the actual craft side of things goes, that would continue to just be some API that you're pinging. So that would certainly have, have been, been a nice thing to have right now. If, if you really want to use craft, um, to be able to just go and click and say, I want to create a restaurant, you know, site, or I want to create, you know, whatever, um, I want to create a, um, a, uh, gift card, uh, delivery site or whatever, you know, different, different use cases like that. Um, but, you know, eventually we'll get there. We'll, we'll so get it in time the, for the next pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, while you're at that, can you get the tests that we need to for, you know, be able to test for the virus at the same time? That'd yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, GraphQL, how does that factor into this? That would be the thing that powers the API that you would get out of it. So Graph 3.3 introduced the GraphQL API. So this is something that Craft already supports. Um, the key difference between where we are today and where we want to go is that today, if you want to run Craft, if you want to use the GraphQL API, what, if you want to build your own templates, whatever you want to do with it, you're the one that's downloading Craft, you're installing it locally, hopefully doing all your local development there, and then you're deploying to a production server. And those are, you know, all those DevOpsy related stuff. It's kind of the part that we're trying to um, trying to make optional. Um, yeah. Craft Cloud Serverless is not going to remove the traditional version of Craft CMS. Um, you know, it's it's really going to be there for people who, um, I'd say, I'd say honestly, it's it's more about 
building a new audience than it is about trying to sway over the current community um, because the current community is, is um, a lot of them are using Cracked because of its extensibility and because of their ability to kind of go in there and tweak the system here and there and all that kind of stuff. Um, we view Craft Cloud Serverless more as uh, our opportunity to kind of go after this whole new uh, market of like, you know, JavaScript developers and, and app developers and stuff like that who who didn't need that flexibility to begin with and are going to go, always going to go with whatever system, you know, is kind of the easiest for them to get up and running. Um, mm -hmm. And for them, you know, the, the pitch is basically going to be, this is a much more flexible, much more beautiful version of, you know, that, that content, you know, API first CMS that you might currently be using. Is there any such thing as a GraphQL bootstrap theme store or anything? Is there any, is that kind of thing up and running yet? A GraphQL bootstrap theme. You know, like you, you can go get WordPress themes and bolt it onto a WordPress install and have yeah. a website really fast. So that, like, yeah, so that would be kind of where those starters come in that I was kind of mentioning. Like okay. we, we want to build we want to build out a starter library and and that would be something that's available both for serverless as well as self-hosted craft CMS installs. Um whether it's something that becomes like more of a marketplace where you could actually buy starters or not, I'm not sure. Uh, my hunch is that the answer to that would probably be no. And and that's because the starters would really be like, we're going to call them starters because they're just starter kits. Like they're, they're just the files, you know, that will get you up and running. But like once you've, once you've installed the starter, it's not something that's going to be maintained by the developer, they might continue releasing new versions of their starter if, if it's a third party thing or whatever, but but it wouldn't come down to you once you've already started a project. You know, it's not, you're not gonna get updates on your starter. Um, yeah. And, you know, for that reason, like we wouldn't wanna set a precedence like, oh, I paid for this and, you know, you know, therefore I expect it to be updated and supported. And it's just, it's a different type of deal than a plugin, you know, where the plugin code is all encapsulated in the plugin files and and unrelated completely unrelated to the code that you're working on um, in this case it's kind of they're both one and the same so. okay um so I, I i think i've come to understand that there's no plugin store in craft cloud um it that it's more stripped down than that can you talk about that part yeah so that's it's kind of partly just how we're building this we're we're building it with um you know, serverless uh, stuff like Lambda and, you know, we're, we're trying to make it as, as efficient and performant as possible so we can keep the cost down. And um, that requires us to basically have like a single build of Craft CMS or maybe a version to build, but like essentially a single, like these are the PHP files that need to run in order for this thing to work. Um, yeah. And that kind of goes against the whole nature of the plugin store where um, every single craft install could could look different from a file perspective. Um, you know, as soon as you install a couple of plugins, you've got you've got a unique craft install that maybe nobody else on the earth has. Um, and so we just like that that form of a plugin store just wouldn't work in this scenario. Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to eventually consider other options. Like like we may introduce a a much more gated marketplace. Um, where we're the ones that are actually managing, you know, what's in there and what versions are in there and all that kind of stuff. And, and that code ends up kind of getting part of that same build that every other craft install is working, is using uh, yeah. 
you know, and then we've just got, you know, feature flags. Like if you, if you're paying for X, then you're going to get these features, but um, otherwise they're kind of artificially disabled. Um, that's an option that we're looking at. Another one is to do more of a um, kind of front end only uh, plugin, you know, third party plugin uh, framework. Um, kind of like what you see in things like Figma or, uh, you know, Zendesk or Front or Facebook apps, I think, and, you know, different things like that where, you know, there's different different ways of doing it. One of the popular ways is just to use a bunch of iframes and kind of hide hide the fact that they're iframes from the user experience, but, mm-hmm. you know, give, give the iframes their own CSS and JavaScript toolkits to make themselves feel like they're part of the app. Um, a big, a big thing that will happen no matter what we do here is, is uh, interaction, or, I'm sorry, integrations via webhooks. So there's nothing stopping anyone from, you know, try to, from creating integrating services that would talk to Craft Cloud Serverless installs through an API or through, um, you know, webhooks that, that Serverless spins out. So that's definitely something that's on the table. Um, you know, as like probably as a as a very early feature, um, and then we'll look at we'll look at what our other options are as things as things stabilize. We'll take a simple use case. I mean, um, any website is not very useful if it doesn't have two really important components, like solid SEO. So I'm thinking of SEOmatic. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned Andrew, and you know, some way to handle form submissions. Um, shameless plug on my part, but you know, you you get a lead gen website set up. Um, as simple as a site like that can be, mm-hmm. the whole point is to have a form that's going to collect info and it's going to be found. You know, Google's going to eat it up because there's solid SEO. Um, so do you need, are you saying like you need a separate service uh, that is part of the front end that ties into a separate API to handle the processing of form submissions? Or can you handle form submissions coming into Craft Cloud and then fire webhooks off to whatever other system is listening? Or What's, yeah. is there a concept there yet? It's, you know, it's kind of all of the, all of the above. Um, at Dot All last year, uh, Andrew Welsh had a pretty great talk about comparing LAMPstack to JAMPstack and, and kind of what are the pros and cons of both of these things? What, what are they? What's the difference? Um, and he kind of concluded with a, with a pretty interesting uh, takeaway, which was, you know, that the, there is no right answer. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's the same amount of complexity either way. And, and uh, you know, it's just kind of a question of where do you want that complexity to live? Who's responsible for it? Um, but you know, I, I would say if you're building a traditional website, it's going to be a long time before serverless is going to be a viable option, especially if you want everything under one under one roof. You know, yeah. um, I, I think that I think that our opportunity with Craft Cloud is, is with serverless is to go after um you know kind of this 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 up and coming jamstack community where um they're currently using 50 different services and and they're happy to do that and um you know it's it's just kind of that's just kind of the world they're already living in um and Maybe they're maybe it's just simpler stuff maybe it's like a mobile app and they're just managing mobile content or you know there's there's a yeah. number of number of different things like I would say that like having a you know complete website with a contact form and with you know analytics and with 
and with um, you know proper SEO and all that kind of stuff. Like that's one of the things where it's more of a stretch right now. Um, you yeah, can okay. do it, you can do it, but it's you know even then if you wanted to do Jamstack, if you want to do headless, like you'd still probably be better off just doing it with a traditional craft install that has an API, but also has plugins and all that kind of stuff. The use case for this is so different than anything I've I've encountered. I've maybe done a couple of projects that would be so heavy on the app side that that this would make make sense. It's just most of the work and most of the work that my colleagues, uh, you know, and friends and fellow developers do is is more squarely in the camp of give me a copy of Craft. I'm going to put it where I want to put it, and then we'll we'll take it from there. So for sure, yeah, I'm trying to ha- wrap my head around it, but it'll, it'll give me some time. I'm old. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's you know. Whether it's whether it's going to be insanely popular for the current community or not, uh, time will tell. I, I think at its at its start, it's going to be, you know, more about expanding the market than it is about trying to convert anyone that's currently using craft. Yeah, that's good. Well, I like that business approach. I think that's smart on your part for sure. Well, you know, I wanted to keep us to about 30 minutes. I know you're busy and you got to head into the end of your day with your kids and family and stuff. How are you guys doing there with um, kids at home and homeschooling and wh- whatever's going on there? <laughs> um, well, I don't know if you heard, but about 30 seconds ago, all my kids just perched into this room. So that's about how well it's going. <laughs> I didn't hear it at all. <laughs> um, it's It's a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the nicest way I can put it. Um, it's not fun <laughs> trying to get work down in the same house as the kids who are stir crazy because <laughs> they're not going to school anymore and they can't go out and play with their friends anymore. And yeah, you know, it's, we're doing we're doing everything we can. And actually, just today, the their homeschooling started kicking off. The school is um, connecting all the kids together with uh, an app called Seesaw. And um, the teachers are all putting together curriculums and, and kind of trying to start getting the kids back into a, a routine to kind of finish off the school year. Um, so that's a positive and encouraging sign, but it's still just, you know, they're still cooped up in the house. They're, you know, we're trying to, trying to get them out as much as we can. But the other thing for us is that our kids have been sick for the last couple of weeks. Oh man! Um, so we haven't even, you know, plus the weather's been a little terrible here in Bend. Like it snowed today and it's, you know, April 1st. So I don't know. It's, you know, we'll get, we'll get, things will get better eventually. But as of right now, it's a pretty terrible. <laughs> well, that's the message I've been putting out on this podcast. That's kind of the point is just to get the positive word out that we're going to get through this. We've been here before. Um, that's the great thing about going through a really terrible time is it makes all the other times that look bad, like it, they don't look like anything compared to what you went through in 2020. You look back on this and be like, well, we can survive 20, 2020. We can do anything. So yeah. that's, that's money in the bank. <laughs> yeah. How about you? How's, how's soul space doing? How's the, how's the Mitchell Kimbrough house doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the house is, we're kind of the same story. We're stir crazy. Um, we don't live in a densely populated area, so it's no problem to get out and go for walks and, and burn off some energy. You know, you know, we, we get the dogs out and race them around, so that helps. That's good. Um, the girls are they're a little slightly older than your kids, so it's a little easier. They're a little bit more like self-sufficient in a school day, um, but they're really sick of Zoom. They're really sick <laughs> of looking at 
their teachers and friends virtually. It's creepy for them, like it's weird. We haven't really let them have a lot of screen time in their lives. Um, just no need. Just have avoided that. And now all of a sudden they are trying to master the use of the computer. <laughs> and um, and it's, yeah, it's a little dicey sometimes. They're, they're naturals at it, you know, like these younger kids tend to be. But um, on the other hand, they're just, they want their life back. They haven't ridden horses in weeks. And they've been on, on a horse several times a week, every single week, rain or shine, sick. Um, happy, sad, no matter what, since they're like three years old. And they're, so they're riding everything. They're riding furniture. They got a rocking chair that they're bouncing around on. They get up on the fence. That's a horse. They're going crazy that way. Imagine how the horses feel right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all that stuff is shut down. Even if you lease a horse, you can't get onto the property. The insurance company shut it all down. Wow. But um, yeah, you're right. It's It'll come to an end. We'll mm-hmm. have a new normal at some point. Um and you know some some new version of our planet will will emerge. Yeah, theoretically one that's uh, slightly less under attack by the humans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as we uh, as we stop traveling as much and do more things online and stop consuming as much, might be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Well, Brandon, thanks again for making time. Um, you, you provided a reassuring voice in a difficult time. I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> try my best (laughs) all right thanks man yep thank you you've been listening to the soul space podcast